0: The Lord just sometimes puts us in very uncomfortable positions um, because he knew that there was going to be this an amazing encounter with him during worship. He knew we were going to have this an amazing gathering yesterday, and now I'm suddenly standing in front of you, and what on earth would this skinny guy going to do to top what we've experienced up until now? I Also, looking at the message, I was standing in worship. I said, Lord, what have you done to me? Because I kind of feel like I'm bringing a message of saying to a very skinny person, uh, almost someone with a a, a eating disorder or something and telling, listen, the Lord is saying you must eat less. So I, 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 I'm looking at this, at this, at this preach and I'm, I'm, and it's, it's a weird thing, but I did hear the voice of the Lord during worship say this to you guys as a congregation. I felt He's saying and I, and I did it myself and as I was doing it, I, I rolled up my sleeves. And I felt the Lord say to you guys as a congregation, Somerset West, it is time to roll up your sleeves. I saw people coming into these doors that are broken, that are hurt, that are struggling in many areas. And I felt that this morning there was a bit of a commissioning happening. There was something of the Lord actually telling each one of you guys, I want you to get into your position and get into your place, to roll up your sleeves and to get ready because there's work to be done. There's many people that need the power and the authority of Jesus in their lives, and there's only one way where that people can experience that and where they can get that, and that is through the hands and the feet of Jesus. And that's what happened with us when we went to Krobou. We're not the only church in Krobou, mind you. Uh, we are a church in Krobou, but yeah, the Lord is just uh, so faithful um, with us on that side, and I can't wait for you guys at, at some point to come and visit us. Um, I'm so glad that Richard is there. He's going to get the whole congregation saved. So by the time that we get back, we will just have, which uh, was absolutely amazing in that sense. So I want to dig into the word this morning. And um, I do want to, I do want to say this. Uh, I was looking at the, at the, how many of you guys have been saved for longer than 10 years? Just raise your hands quickly. How many of you have been saved longer than twenty years? Still a quite a few number. And again, now I'm looking at myself and asking, Lord, how? Why are you all allowing me to teach on this thing and to talk about this topic about the authority of Jesus this morning? But again, I just felt something of the Lord speaking to me. And sometimes, when we've been walking and journeying with the Lord for a long time, just sometimes a little bit of dust settles uh, in some areas. And I do feel that for this morning, the Lord wants to speak a little bit into our, the guys that have been walking and journeying with the Lord for quite a long time, and where sometimes a little bit of familiarity creeps in. And we know this topic, man. I've walked it. I fought the fights. I was over this mountain, and I did feel something of that. And the Lord actually wanted me to do an illustration. I want you guys to just stand up. All right, you can sit down again. Now, really, I want you guys to just stand up quickly. Now, you can sit down again. Now, really, honestly, you can just stand up for a second, please. That's what familiarity does. When we hear something too often, sometimes, when we've been doing something repetitively, it becomes something that sometimes those that are sitting, we ignore at some point or we just lose the power of it we lose the heart of it you can sit down so i want to say this might seem like a preach for newly saved guys or someone that is working but i know this is for each one of us um will murray don't know who, who, who everybody that knew um will murray uh, a apostolic voice in 412 he passed away recently to cancer unfortunately but yeah grateful he's with the lord and he famously said that 90% of our journey with the Lord is my responsibility and 10% is God's ability. Now, that's a very, very, especially with the hyper-grace guys, and really, with the minute that they hear that, they say it's blasphemy. How can you say 90%? But, for, but if I look at the preachers and the Sundays walking up to you this morning, there was a lot of focus of the Lord actually kind of speaking into us. Uh, seek first the kingdom. That he's speaking to us my responsibility to seek the Lord and Craig last week shared on walking in the light God cannot work into certain areas if I'm not willing and working with him to walk in the light God's gone speaking to my life if I don't have quiet time when is he going to speak to me if I don't have a time that I put apart to sit down with him I'm not going to know the the character the person of God the ways of God if I don't read my Bible and that 90 percent is up to me is that right? He are still. So that 90% is up to me. But then there's that 10% of God. And Will Murray said this. He qualified that statement by saying this. The 10% that God brings is like an atomic bomb that goes off. And when that impacts me, when His power impacts me, it changes. Sometimes instantly, sometimes over a process and over a period but it is an impactful part of the Lord. And this morning we're going to talk about that 10%. And we're going to talk about the authority of Jesus in our lives as we walk and as we journey with Him. And I think in this world, we've got a bit of a worldly definition of authority that often we we work from because we grow up with that. Uh, I don't know in the schools these days, but when I was in school and when Skulk was in school, uh, we used to sit, and when the teacher walks in, we would go dead quiet. And we would that, was, that was, I don't know, these days anymore. I hear some funky stories coming out of the schools these days. But we, we would know when authority walked into the room. When my dad used to say something, I would know, just in his tone of voice, how I should react, the way I should react, how I should respond to what he is saying. That's authority. But also we see authority in our government, we can see authority in our government. I will not do certain things, because if I know that there will be consequences to that, and they've got the authority, based on my actions, if it was unlawful, to put me in jail for that. And that's authority. But then there's a, a, a biblical form of authority. and it was so beautiful how the Lord has, already since yesterday, brought us to looking Jesus. In the face. And it, that's a different type of authority. It's an authority that comes with love. It's an authority that comes with relationship. It's an authority that is actually for us and not against us. It's not something that wants to catch me out in order to punish me, but it's an authority that is actually there that loves me. And I, I was thinking about this earlier, and, and I remember there was a time when I, was, I just built my house. Uh, uh, the one that we're living in and I wanted to do a DIY and I just bought a drill uh, and I was wanted to drill, it was my first hole that I ever, because my dad did everything in the house, he never allowed us to do anything, it's his fault, I'm blaming him. So I, was, I got my drill and I got my drill bit in and I got everything plugged in and I was about to drill that hole into the wall, I think I wanted to hang up something in the kitchen or something, I can't even remember, And I remember a man full of confidence and I went in And nothing. I wasn't making a dent. I wasn't even going through the paint. And I remember just, I'm doing something wrong here. And eventually, I phoned my dad. I said, Dad, I'm doing something wrong here. My dad came over and he looked at the thing and he said, Sian, you've got the wrong setting on this thing. Apparently, there's two settings. You need to do the droll thing where he makes little comments. And I had the wrong setting. And secondly, my dad took the drill and he said, let me show you. And he showed me that you put your weight behind it because I was so scared. I didn't put any weight. I was just putting it there. And I I thought the drill was going to drill itself into there because I was scared I was going to just, you know, kind of break the drill bit or something. And he showed me how to drill and he said, you put your weight behind it. And then the beautiful thing is he let me drill the second hole myself after he showed me. I felt a measure of success. I felt a measure of, oh, this is, and I loved how my dad's authority came in, and he helped me as his son, and, and just his compassion and his love, wanting me to, to do this thing right. And that's very much a picture of the, 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 the interaction when it comes to Jesus' authority. So let's just firstly, I want to just come into a little bit of scripture before I tell too many stories. And then you're going to say, I'm not preaching from the Bible here." Matthew, Jesus is talking about his authority. And there's certain things that's very important that we get out of the way first. And we say this to one another, this. And Jesus says this about himself. Matthew 28, verse 18. How can you guys read that? I'm so glad I printed it out. You All right. Matthew 28 says this. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. We need to pause there just for a little bit. Firstly, all authority. Not some, not partial, not authority in heaven, not only authority on earth, all authority. Craig did it last week as well. We saw it at the conference. Everybody say all authority. It's fun for a preacher to do that. All authority. And and it's so important for us because when we see a place where Jesus' authority is not there, we should ask the question, why is the authority not there? And that's what Craig also said last week. He talked about the traffic cop. You remember, there's certain rules, there's certain authorities, but we still have the choice. We still have the free will. Are we going to allow that authority to speak into areas? And we're living in a world where we don't see the authority of Jesus because this world is fallen. This world is without Jesus. So we don't see it all around us because of man and because of sin that's in this world. But the Bible still says it's there. We can't say that it's not there. And that's important for us to realize that. And that's why I felt that commissioning. So see where we're going with this. If it's not there... How can we get it there? How can we get Jesus' authority into all places? Second thing, it's been given. Jesus says all authority has been given, and I love what that does when he says it's been given to me. It traces it back to the Father. He says there's, there's someone, I, it's not even my own, the Father, the Almighty God, the Creator of the universe, and it links it to something far greater than anything that you and I have ever seen or experienced, the Bible says that when we should get into his presence, we will probably fall dead. Now that God, that Almighty God, that created everything. I, 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 did you guys see this new pictures, where they say from Apollo or something that's taking or a new telescope, that is taking pictures of the universe, and that they're saying something about for billions of kilometers or something every minute that it's expanding and getting bigger every minute. It's just amazing. Now, that God gave His Son the authority because His Son was uh, obedient to die on the cross and that He gave it to them. But I also believe that there's a reason why there is this gave. It, 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 It connects something else. It puts a bit of a why next. And why did God the Father give Jesus authority? And we see that in two scriptures that I didn't put up. I actually didn't put it in my notes. Jesus, uh, the, the Bible says in John 3 verse 16, For God so loved the world that he sent his only one so that no one may be lost. 1 John 3 verse 16 says Jesus laid down his life for, one, for us so that we could be saved. So the why, why did Jesus get authority? Is because of love. That's the motivation behind that. His motivation be- behind the, 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 the authority of Jesus Christ working into our lives is it's actually a showing of God's love for us. So it's not an authority, and that's why I said earlier, it's not an authority that is just looking out when can he punish us, but it's actually an authority that comes from a place of love and relationship, wanting to restore I, can, uh, I was in the worship yesterday at the gathering. There was this moment when they sang, and the veil got torn. You remember that song? The veil got torn. That speaks about that moment. And I believe just in my own heart, I don't know if this is biblical, so please, where's all the elders? Don't punish me for this one. But just in my own little mind, my imagination, I had this picture of Jesus in at death's door. And he took the way with the keys of the enemy of death. And the father came, and he took him out of that when he woke him up again. And at that moment, he handed him that authority. And he kind of commissioned him in that way and said, hey, now I'm giving you all authority to go and help my church and my people and my children that is down there on the earth. That's just something I just realized. There was this moment. There had to be this moment when Jesus was given. There had to be that moment when he, when he had, was given that. And I just, in my own mind, it was just at that point in time when Jesus rose from the dead. Paul has a prayer in Ephesians um, that he prays. And I feel that's something of the Father's prayer for us. The reason why he gave Jesus the authority to speak into and to work into and to influence and to impact our lives. Ephesians says this, I pray, this is our prayer for this morning as well, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you might know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in His people. And listen to this, verse 19 says, And His incomparably great power, I want to almost say is His authority, for us who believe. The power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. For above all rule and all authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. All authority has been given to Jesus. And it's it's a power. It's an incomparable Power. And now live, listen to verse 22. And God placed all things under the feet under His feet, and appointed Him to be head over everything. And then there's a very important little one. He doesn't say the church. He says for. Can you see that there? For the church. I love that little part. For the church. He gave Him authority, power for the church, to help us, to empower us, to bring an impact and a change into us so that we again can bring that impact and change into this world. Then he says, verse 23, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything. And that's what Andrew said yesterday. That's what Andrew said yesterday, the body, each each one of us doing our part. But the thing is this, If we've never experienced ourselves, and we've never been impacted ourselves by the authority and the strength and the power of Jesus to impact me. If I've never experienced it, how can I give it to someone else? Have you ever listened to a guy tell a joke when he doesn't even laugh himself at the punchline? He he doesn't... When he never caught the joke and he's trying to tell you guys a joke. We had this friend, Peter Bortes. Is this being recorded? I had... This friend, Mike, and he always used to forget the punchline of all the jokes. And he used to start off, man, and there was just passion and there was, everything was there. And always, he was notorious for that. Year by the end, he would fizzle out. And then he would realize at some point, I can't remember what the punchline is. And that's the problem. That's the problem with familiarity. That's the problem sometimes when we, we know, we've read, we've heard about the authority of Jesus. But have we tasted it recently? Have we, ha, do we have a fresh infilling of the authority of Jesus in our lives? Because I promise you, we will roll up our sleeves and Jesus will send people to us, but we will not be able to Im- you will not be able to impact them through our lives if we haven't there gone ourselves. That's super important. So yeah. <clears throat> We're going to look at four areas, four areas where Jesus' authority wants to impact not just us, but where he wants to impact Somerset West, where he wants to impact South Africa, and where he wants to impact the world, four areas, and I'm going to try my best to and, and, and this is a moment where I want, I, I'm going to kind of speak to two people here. The one person, I know there's some of you that are sitting here this morning, and it was actually when you uh, called it as a, also, there's some of us that's struggling ourselves. And so some of us this morning probably wants to, the Lord wants to impact you. He wants his authority to come in one of these areas that we're going to talk. So there's, there's two things. We're going to look introspectively, and we're going to allow the Lord to look, help us look introspectively. Lord, is there anything in me? And the second thing is, is that sometimes the Lord wants to bring these things and he wants to dust us off. Because there's going to be someone in this week, perhaps, that you need to take this message to. And you're going to say, hey, I know you're struggling. But you know what? I want to tell you about the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. So the first part is, we're going to look at Luke 4. Verse 18 to verse 19. Now this is something that was actually prophesied in Isaiah. It was prophesied to Jesus in Isaiah. And then he comes in the New Testament and he says this about himself. He's basically saying, this is me. Isaiah talked about me, this is me. And let's see what Jesus says. What is his authority about to do? Luke 4 verse 18. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. He has given me authority. He has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And there's something of all of us in those four places. If it's not you that the Lord wants to do something in you this morning, then at least verse 19 is for you this morning to take what he says here and to proclaim out there the the year of the Lord's favor and say to others, there's something that you need to hear. So let's just look at the first one, good news to the poor. There's an authority that was given to Jesus through the fact that he was obedient to the Father's voice, an authority that only Jesus can make us in right standing and justify us in front of God. Unfortunately, through sin that entered through Adam and Eve. And if it wasn't with Adam and Eve, it would have probably been you or me. But some one of us would have buggered it up anyway. I promise you that much. That's not a swear word, is it? I'm blaming my Afrikaans. That's a swear word. It would have made nonsense. Something like ruined it. Thanks, thanks, Craig. That's really just my Afrikaans, I promise you. So we would have ruined it anyway. But sin is in this world. And what has happened is, is you and I, we are born into sin. The Bible teaches that. Not Willem, not Josh. And the Bible says we are all born into sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. And there's only one person that has the authority to set us free from a, from, from a future that has only one thing, and that is to burn in hell and that is the person of Jesus. And there's only one way in which we can come into that authority and that we can get hold of that authority, and that is not just by doing good works and being good people, that is by giving our lives, surrendering our lives to the person of Jesus Christ. To say to Jesus, Jesus, I want to give you my life. I am so sorry for the mess that I made. I'm so sorry, Lord, for the fact that I ruined everything in my own life, I want to give it to you. And it is then only Jesus that can come. And then there's this amazing miracle. I say this many times. People freak out when a when a toe grows back on when we pray for that, or a person that stands out of a, a, a wheelchair. But probably the biggest, the most beautiful miracle that will ever happen is when a spirit that is actually dead to God comes to life and gets resurrected when we give our life to Jesus. And it's only Jesus that has that authority, that power that was given to him by God to do that. Only Jesus, not Allah, not Buddha, not da-da-da-da, whatever, and not my good works. Not even my good works. I can sit in church every Sunday and I can say the right things, I can do the right things, but if I have not surrendered this morning, and that was why this morning was such a beautiful moment, when we just got an opportunity after we've been saved for many years to again and again and again get the opportunity to surrender our lives to the Lord and submit ourselves and humble ourselves before the Lord and say, Lord, I will roll up my sleeves for you. I will give my life to you because only you are worthy of this life of mine. Good news to the poor. And the amazing thing is, not only, why does he say the poor? Because we are poor without him. We are familylessness ness, ness, without him. Again, I'm blaming my Afrikaans. We are without a family, and the Bible says that we are adopted into family the day that we give our lives to him. Me and Leone, we uh, recently we had a bit of a pity party, and uh, we said to each other, Yo, At one point in our lives, we had no friends. It was true. We didn't have any friends. We were very much Sunday Christians. We went to church on a Sunday morning. We said hello to all the friendly faces that we knew. And then we would go home and next Sunday, we would see the same friendly faces, We'd listen to a preach together, and we would go home afterwards. But we had no friends and family that could actually do life with us. And that was one of the things that the Lord restore amongst you guys in Somerset West, in us, is to show us what does it mean to be actually adopted into family because we were poor in that area. And suddenly we made friends. And when we planted Chabot, it was our family and our friends that came for six months, even longer than that. Every Sunday you guys would come and you guys would help us to plant, and you guys would serve, and Sybil will do the worship, and I know Skulk made a preach there, and all of you guys were there at some point. Of well, the guys that was here, yeah. there's so many new faces, it's amazing. And we, lo- we realized, wow, we were so wealthy in the family that God has put us into, and that's what God's heart is. That is what His authority loves us. You see how his authority loves us and wants to put us in that place. And then Andrew talked about inheritance. I won't go into that. He talked about it yesterday, where he wants to give the poor an inheritance. Second thing: freedom for prisoners. And a prisoner is a reason why he calls it a prisoner. A prisoner is guilty. A prisoner, there's a reason why a prisoner is in prison. I was naughty. It's faultma. He's not innocent. And that's you and me. We are all prisoners. We are all guilty. There's a reason why we are in church. And I remember in my own life, there was many things that I did that put me, it was my own actions. Nothing, anything anybody ever did or whatever. It wasn't Jesus' fault. Couldn't blame my parents, really. It was my own mistakes. And I remember what happened to me. I'm just going to share with you this one story of alcohol in my life, I made a choice at some point to take a sip of beer. Man, big mistake. I was still in... I, I grew up, I didn't know what alcohol was at all. And then I got to university, and, and for the first six months, I felt like Joseph in, in Egypt. And I remember praying at night and everything, and then one... I, I, was, I, literally, I felt like Joseph. I thought I was going to save that whole university and uh, and at the end of the of the day they basically ruined me <laughs> and I remember taking that first sip of of beer man that buzz did something in little old Olympi that was not good for little old valympi and um, what happened is after that i I kind of got used to that, but i, I, I I did it kind of well in moderation at times, but mostly the bug was there. And there was something in me that, that I stumbled quite often uh, in that. And sometimes I will do well, and other times I will do not so well. But it, it kind of lingered. It was there for quite a while. I was, but remember, I loved the Lord. eh? I was saved. I wasn't like off the rails or anything. I loved the Lord. I remember many, many times, where I would actually, and that was still in the early days, where it was actually something that, w- that helped me prisoner. There on a Sunday morning, I would wake up with a bit of a bubble glass, and then I would make myself ready for church. Yeah. Make myself ready for church. But there was something, if, when I looked myself in the mirror, I wasn't impressed with myself. But the thing is, I was a prisoner. I didn't really know how to get out of that. Because what happened is, uh, it started off with just doing something. And I've got a high-stress work uh, environment where we work with fruit. I'm in the fruit export a, uh, industry. And it's kind of a high-pitched, uh, specifically in season time. You know, everything is... And what happened is, is I didn't know what to do with stress. I wasn't very good with that. And I didn't have anything. I just told you I didn't have any friends at that time. So I didn't have anything to do anything with the stress that I was experiencing. And so what would happen is, is Fridays and Saturdays, and then later on during the week as well, I would take a drink, and that would help me kind of relieve the stress. And what normally happens then, one drink will become two, two drinks will become three, because the amount of stress now needs to match the amount of alcohol I take in, and at the end of the day, I was just, what's the word, ruined. So what happened is I was a prisoner. And then I met Leonie, And I was still a prisoner at that stage. And she has a bit of a background with alcohol and alcohol abuse. And I was very aware of that. And so she was comfortable with me having a glass of wine or a beer, but when it comes to two or three beers, it would have been a problem. And so what happened is is I used to have one beer that I drink in front of her, one glass of wine that I drink in front of her, and the rest I will put in the room. And I would start to drink scallop. Now you must know, it's a means. I'm I'm, I was a church mouse at that stage. And I remember this conflict in me. I was really conflicted in me because I loved the Lord. I loved the Lord. It wasn't because I didn't love Him, but I was captured. I was a prisoner of my earlier mistakes. And there was really a part of me, I remember a few times where Leone would catch me out. Hey, man, I would cry in front of her. I would say, oh, I'm sorry, because I knew it hurt her so much, coming from her background as well. And it, it haunted me, but I couldn't get free. And I remember there was this one time when she actually helped me, and that's why Skoki was so spot on. This woman changed my life in so many ways. And I remember she helped me to put this thing into the light. And I'll never forget, I had my parents over at our place and they kind of sat down and they had a, like a, yeah, like a authoritative speaking into my life. And for the first time, I put it into the light and I said all these things, what Craig talked about last week. And for the first time, I was able to walk into the light. And what happened is, because this thing was in the light, the authority, the power of Jesus was able to step into my prison cell. Before that time, while I was still in the dark, he wasn't able to come into that area. Sometimes he can. I think there's, there's times where, where you maybe can just get delivered from something, you know, in that, without you having to... I don't want to put a box in on Jesus in any way, but for me, I had to walk in the light. And before I couldn't walk in the light, Jesus could not come with his authority, and I'll never forget that. I used to, on a Friday evening, sit in my car at work, um, and I remember that feeling, that, that tornness in me. Do I go home, or do I go to the liquor store? And I remember how many times I was unable to steer myself in the direction of going home, and I would always go past the liquor store on my way home. And remember that was always the time. If I, if, I, if I did that, if I turned that way, I knew it was over. I knew it was going to be another drinking weekend. And I remember sitting in the car just after I put it into light. And for the first time, I remember that I was sitting and I was clenching the wheel with my two hands. And I said, Jesus, I know I can go home now. I can go to the liquor store now. And I need you now to help me go home. And the authority of Jesus came into the car. And I was able for the first time to go home. And what the beauty of that is, and that's where the relationship and the journey comes in. Then Jesus came. And he not only brought the authority and the power in that moment, but he helped me with the journey. And I started learning to play guitar. And now Friday evenings or whenever in the week time when I get a bit stressed, I play guitar. And he put family around me, man. And I had people that I could WhatsApp. And I had people that I could say, hey, I'm not doing well. That's the authority of Jesus. He loves us. He wants us to break free. The third thing is recovery of sight for the blind. And I don't want to redo what Craig did last week so beautifully. If you haven't listened to Craig's preach of last week, just raise your hand quickly. Just do yourself a favor. Go and listen to what he said last week because that's actually the foundation of wanting to living in Jesus' authority if you're not transparent, if you're not in the light, if you're people, if you not putting yourself into family and into the light, you will not be able. You will remain blind. It will remain dark. So please, do yourself a favor and go and listen to that preach. It's a super important one. So I'm not going to go there this morning. He did it beautifully. But it is that part. I'm going to add just this. It is that part. David did it so often. And he wrote about it in the book of Psalms, where he said, search my heart. You know, so often, so often we need the authority and the power of Jesus in, a li- in an area of our lives, but we just don't know it. We don't know what we don't know. And sometimes there's an area in our lives, and when we do just that, where we go in front of the Lord and we sit in front of Jesus and we say, Jesus, And this is what I want to tell the guys that have been serving Jesus for 20 years plus. When last did you sit in front of Jesus and say, Jesus, I've been serving you for a long time. But Jesus, I need you to search my heart. Where have I gone cold, Lord? Where have I lost my zeal? Where have I lost, Lord Jesus? Is there any areas, Lord, where familiarity has come in? Have I lost the zeal of proclaiming you to the people that I walk past in spar or in checkers? Have I lost the zeal to proclaim you to my kids that are not serving you? We all need him. Go and sit in front of the Lord and say, Lord, if there's any blind areas, if there's any areas in me, show it to me, Lord, so that the authority of Jesus, and that's where we said earlier, all authority has been given to Jesus. So if there's a reason if there's a place in your life where the authority of Jesus is not yet there, it is very possible it's because you have not led him in that area. Walking in the light. The fourth one and this is the last one that I'm going to make. I'm being well uh, on my time here. You guys were expecting another humdinger of a 60 minute pro, uh, thing as I was invited to come and preach in Somerset West. Not invited. I was in Somerset West and I preached there. This is a moment of restoration for me. Because I preached that one time and never again. And I hold on to this thing of, Lord, what happened? What did I do wrong, Lord Jesus? Richard said which you did so well, but he never asked me to come and preach again. I know I've got a reputation, a reputation of a bit of a long arsume. But it wasn't that long. I look back, it was 45 minutes, for goodness sakes. The Lord restores, and He heals broken wounds. Oh. The fourth and the last one He came to set the oppressed free. And I want to say this. Whether you've been serving Jesus one day, one hour, whether you've been serving Jesus for 40 years, this is for all of us. You see, what happens is, is life happens, and life doesn't stop happening after you've serving Jesus for 40 years, life still happens to all of us. And the thing is, with oppression, it's a bit different. You know, the earlier one, the prison, is I'm guilty. I did something. I'm paying the consequences of my actions. But when it does come to Jesus setting the oppressed free, is that sometimes life happens. And that sometimes when you're small, you're a kid, sometimes things happen. And the world around us is a nasty world. And it does some stuff sometimes, and something happens, and sometimes there's, even in your growing up and in your home, And in this world around us, and even after we've been serving the Lord, leaders could hurt you. I could hurt, I I said this to other guys, Just, uh, it's not if I'm going to hurt you, it's when I'm going to hurt you. Because I'm not perfect, uh, Skolk said it so so uh, clearly. Yeah, yeah, I'm not perfect, confidently. (laughs) So leaders will hurt you. And then what happens is there's consequences to that thing that happens to you. There's always consequences. It always leaves a mark. And the thing is that only Jesus has the authority to come and sometimes bring healing and restoration in an area where we sometimes are oppressed. Because whether you want to know it or not, we are a people, we are a creation that is very much reactionary. We react to the things that happen to us. We react from the places that, that sometimes, and so we will react from a place of hurt. We will react from a place of how we were molded in, in years to come and that type of thing. So we are, and if the Lord doesn't come to sometimes bring healing in that area of hurt or healing or restoration in an area where someone has hurt you, whatever the case, or sometimes it's shame. Sometimes it's shame. Sometimes you come from a background where you feel immense shame or we did it uh, two weeks ago where we prayed for just a bunch of our people that had this almost like an orphan spirit. They just felt they don't belong anywhere. They will come into a family like this and they will constantly, even though people are loving on them and and wanting to spend time and they just feel, I don't belong. And then, when you go and dig dig a little bit deeper, you would see times where they may be sinned, and condemnation come came on them from that time where they may be sinned. And Jesus has long forgiven them for what they did, but something of that residue is still on their souls. And until Jesus doesn't come and set you free from that residue, if He doesn't come to wash that residue off of you, you will always react from that place of shame. And that will pull you away from the family. It will cause you not to be able to respond in a way that Jesus wants you to respond to the rest of the family. And we see it so often. And so Jesus wants to come and set the oppressed free. And I want to just share this story again lastly from my own life. And this is more recently. It's easy to sometimes speak from the areas where Jesus did something 10 years ago. But me, when it's three months ago, is different. It's different. And the one compliment that has been said over me that I've heard so many times is that, you oh, man, he's such a humble guy. I heard that many times. And you know what? Three months ago, I got delivered from a spirit of pride. Immediately, you would think, what? You must be joking, man. That's impossible. you such a humble guy. and But you see, sometimes pride manifests itself in different ways. Pride is not always boastful. Pride is not always, Sometimes pride hides itself behind insecurity. Behind, I don't think this is me, man. It looks so humble, it looks so beautiful. But actually, there's something there of an insecurity, of a pridefulness. And what happened to me is, I'll share you just a little bit of my story. I grew up, uh, I don't know if it's a medical thing or whatever the case may be, but you were, how old do you guess I am? 28, thanks, Sybil, come on. <laughs> I mean, skulk refers to me as a lighty still. so you know. I'm 42 years old. Yeah, who's an arse? And the thing is, now it's amazing being 42 years old and looking like a 28. I would not have got the wife that I had if I looked my age, because she's seven years younger than me. So she was 21, I was 28. Her dad would have just chased me off the lawn if he knew that I was actually the age that I was. So the Lord knew that. But you know, growing up, it sucked. I remember when I was at school, I looked five, six, seven years younger than the other boys in my class. I remember I could never excel at anything. I couldn't play rugby. I I was useless at most stuff where there was physical ability at that. I grew up where actually my nickname was Maniki. Ah. and it's, it's a strange thing, I remember going into um, standard 9, grade 11, and there was a prize giving, and I'll never forget the, oh, there was such a humiliation that I felt in that time, uh, which was actually hid behind what I thought was a compliment. They had an award ceremony for the high school, where they gave awards to different guys, and I won an award. And I'll never forget that it was, I don't know what I was thinking, but I remember I won the award for the cutest guy in school. You see where this is going. I remember, <laughs> I remember sitting there and there was this moment where I thought, oh, the first time I'm being seen. For the first time, there's something of, they think I'm cute. But I thought I was handsome cute. I thought the, guys, uh, the girls were going to start lining up. And I'll never forget that I was walking around with my little, uh, it was a Granny Smith apple. They, they call it the grannies. And I was walking around with my apple and one of the matric girls that was actually the one that handed it out, I heard, overheard her saying, and they were actually laughing about it. And I heard her say, No, it's not cute. Who's cute? And I just remember the way that she said that. And I realized, hang on, this is a different type of cute that these guys are talking about. Who's cute? And I remember just that realization, and, and that had an impact on me. And right there and then I opened myself up to something. And what happened is I found church. I remember I was 17 years old. I did my first preach in the Baptist church in Crobeau. And I remember walking from there and people came up to me and said, Oh, man, you preach so well. You preach so well. And I remember that encouragement, how that built something in me. And it built something around where I kind of found my place. And that in itself is not wrong. In itself is not sin. Ryan Kingsley said this the other day. Listen carefully to this. This is not my wisdom. He said this. Encouragement is supposed to be like a perfume. If you walk past it, you sniff it. and You walk on. It builds you up. It's nice. But the minute that you drink perfume, it becomes poison. There was something in me growing up in the church and being used by the Lord. Because the anointing doesn't come, it comes without repentance, Andrew says. So sometimes there's a gifting there, and sometimes we start flowing in that gifting that the Lord has placed on our lives. But it is then up to us if we're going to drink it or we're going to sniff it. And so what happened is there was something in me that latched onto pride. And it manifested in a different way, but I would have come performance driven. And the worst thing is then the Lord sent us to go and plant a church. Goodness gracious, Lord. What were you thinking? (laughs) And suddenly there was other church planters around me, Sean Saul of Gordon's Bay and Yaku, and so there's other ones, and suddenly something in me, and it wasn't really, it wasn't here. It was something in here. It was never times where I lied in bed and thought about these things, but there wasn't outworking. There was a reaction by me. I remember certain thoughts, and what would happen is, I remember certain thoughts of, of pride, of, of, of competition that would happen in my heart. They would give through numbers and I would think, wow, we're not growing as much. And I would put it in a performance thing and that Monday I would start sending WhatsApps to up guys, checking in with guys, arranging 20 coffees because I would feel this pressure of I'm falling behind and I need to catch up. My sock is track. And suddenly something of a performance started creeping in. And also grasping. I remember Andrew just once mentioned something, he didn't say it, he just mentioned, threw it out in the air, about possible full-time ministry. That was two years ago. And that thing in me, that pride in me, took it and he drank that. And I started grasping. I started grasping at, Lord, I need to go. I need to do this. And I, I, there was something in me that almost wanted to position myself in order to get that I almost felt something of I wasn't, I wasn't fulfilling my calling if I'm not going to do this thing that the Lord has called me to. And pride started coming through and coming through stronger and stronger. I would even have later on, and then I would, I would kind of look at these thoughts, and all I wanted to do is just put my head in the sand every time a thought would come. So say, for instance, there was a, there was a meeting, and I wasn't invited to the meeting. There was an elders meeting, and I wasn't invited to the meeting. Well, I'll, I'll use this example. Skalk and, 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 and Andrei came into eldership. And we were le- leading, leading a church in Grabo. And there was no mention of eldership on us. And I remember feeling, having thoughts of, Just like it. You're <laughs> Skalk and Andrei had <laughs> na ons hier angekom. <laughs> We planted the church, Lord. How? Who? That's not fair. And that's pride. That, that's not fair. I started hearing that all the more. That's not fair. To the extent in my own little head. Is weird. I'm thinking back. Like I'm pretty calm, But I've, even when there, was, when there was big meetings. And they would ask these proper guns to come and preach. There was something in me. that said, No <laughs> word. But that's how this thing operated in me. And how it went, but it latched onto hurt. And about three months ago, I, and again, the people in our lives walking in the light, my mom came. And that lady, can't take your fast papa. And my mom came to say, I was, I was in an area of self pity. I said, I'm, um, I need to go because Sean and Chantal just uh, started talking about full time, which they are going to go full time now. And suddenly this performance thing started creeping in. And I was, I need to go full time now. I need to go full time now, Lord. I'm missing my mark here. I'm sinning because I'm not, you know. And my mom came and she said, Willem, I see something different. I don't think this is the Lord. And the Lord opened my eyes and I saw this thing for what it is. And I said to her, don't say anything else. I see it. I chased her home because I just wanted to be with the Lord. And that morning, five o'clock, my, 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 I went to my quiet place. And the minute that I sat in front of the Lord, I started weeping. Yo, I broke before the Lord. I said, Jesus, yo, how did I allow this thing? And the Lord showed me my past. And it's the first time in my life that I did a deliverance in my quiet time. But I felt something lift off me. I remember that moment. I'll never forget it for the rest of my life. It was physical. I physically felt something lift off of me. And I wept in front of the Lord. And now the thing is this Am I completely free? Yes. There's absolutely no sting in it anymore. I would have a thought, and it's so easy now to say to the Lord Lord, I bring this thing to you, I take it captive. I give it to you in Jesus' name. I put it to death again and again and again and again. I put it to death. Even now, where we were sitting here in worship, I was thinking, (laughs) Lord, you know I, I prepared the whole week. And I said, no, 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 no. I'm not giving you space. I said it to death. I said, Lord, if we spend the whole time in your presence this morning, if you want to do this thing in a different way, come, Jesus. The sting is gone. And that's what Jesus wants to do. So we've got two choices. We've got two choices. I, 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 yeah, I want to bring this in lastly. Do I have time? Let me take Let take Damn it. Hebrews says this, we don't have a high priest that don't know what we're going through. There's something about the authority of Jesus that was here. He was on earth. He's not called the Son of Man for nothing. He's not just the Son of God. He's also called the Son of Man. And that means He came to earth and He went through the same things that we went through. He knows about temptation. He knows about our flesh. He knows about our weakness. And so there's no condemnation and there's no judgment from Jesus that comes from a place and says, But there's something in the heart of Jesus that wants to help us out. He wants to take that drill. He wants to show us how to do it. And then he wants to stand back and he wants to say, Come, my boy, now you do it on your own. And that is the heart when it comes to Jesus' authority. And you've got one of two choices this morning. You can either surrender to that or you can resist it this morning. That's all I want to say.